Thank you, Brona. Hi, good morning, everyone. How are we all doing? Are we all good? I don't know if it's too late to say Happy New Year, is it? I don't know if there's a cutoff point for that, but if I haven't said that to you already, um, Happy New Year. Um, so yeah, you are so welcome to our second week um, of our Spiritual Gifts series, Empowered. I think this is a perfect uh, name for this particular series. Right, last week, Chris set the ball rolling to build on our previous focus of being people who carry the presence of God. And it was really, under, it was really important to establish that well before we move on to this series, which is looking at the individual and the unique ways each of us can demonstrate the presence of God in our lives. So we're moving from carrying the presence of God to demonstrating the presence of God. And maybe another way to put it is this. We're born to be someone and to do something. I'm going to repeat that. We're all born to be someone and to do something. And we're called and we're saved to participate with Jesus in the world. And the exciting thing is that his kingdom will advance through the empowerment of these spiritual gifts that we're focusing on in our lives as they are activated. And the thing is, God does not need to use us. Sure, he doesn't. But he chooses us to be part of his story, which always completely blows my mind. Now, I'm not going to recap too much on what Chris spoke of last week, simply because I'm going to be pulling out some of that stuff as part of this talk as well, um, because, uh, yeah, it's uh, the basis of everything. So as you're here this morning, no matter how much or how little you feel that you have to offer, I just want to speak this over you. You are made in the image of God. We are all made in the image of God. And because of this, I really believe that every individual here and beyond is called to uniquely deposit something of and from him while we are on this earth. Now, last week, Chris referred to this verse, one of my favorites. It's Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And if we think about our lives, in the grand scheme, they're so fleeting, aren't they? Psalm 144, verse 4, reinforces this by saying, man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. But as our earthly footprints fade away, I really believe that we have all been designed to leave behind some sort of an us-shaped kingdom legacy infused with the love and the power and the look-after-my-sheep mantle commissioned in the Bible, which can then be built upon by those who are coming behind us. So to study this this morning, we're going to focus on one parable in particular, and it's the parable of the talents. I'm sure lots of you are familiar with that. It's actually also known as the parable of the bags of gold, the parable of the coins, 
and the parable of the ten minus, but we are going to focus on the, the term, the parable of the talents this morning. So it's included in two Gospels, in Luke 19, verses 11 to 27, and Matthew 25, 14 to 30. And Molly is going to come up and read us to get us started this morning. Let's see, the Gordons are doing lots this morning. So the parable of the talents, Matthew 25, starting at 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy into sorry, enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Brilliant, Molly. Thanks so much. It's actually a bit of a sobering parable in some ways. Um, it's quite long as well, so I'm going to do a little bit of a summary to help us here. So in this parable, we read how a rich man gives his servants coins, or the equivalent in gold, depending on whatever version you're reading. And each servant is called to manage or to steward whatever they've been given um, during the man's absence, and they're given a different amount according to their ability. So those who were given three and five, they managed to double what they had been given. Unsurprisingly, the rich man was really pleased with their faithfulness and he promised to entrust them with even more. But the man who had been given one talent, he hid his out of pure fear. And so the rich man reprimanded him and gave his portion to the one who had gained the most. 
Now, it's really important, I think, for us to understand that in the first century Roman world, a talent was actually the largest unit of currency, the equivalent to 20 years of income at minimum wage. So one talent was actually of substantial value. But the thing is, Jesus is not teaching accounting here. As Craig Blomberg wrote, as in all his parables, Jesus is using familiar imagery to symbolize spiritual truth. Everything God grants us, our possessions, abilities, opportunities, time, and circumstances, he commands us to steward well. Now, we'll be thinking a little bit about this term steward um, a little later, but it's basically to do with using and managing whatever God has given us well. So Jesus really uses this parable of the talents to urge his disciples, use your abilities, use your giftings to serve God. And actually, he's leaving us in no doubt that we have a responsibility to use what God has given us to help to grow his kingdom. And note as well how everyone is entrusted with something. I love that. And the master in the story reminds us that Jesus is the Lord of the gift. Now, as lots of Northern Ireland preachers like to do, I decided to challenge myself to see if I could come up with a number of terms, all beginning with the same letter, uh, to take us through the flow of this morning. So I actually managed it. So here's my first one. So faith. So we're focusing on the letter F this morning. Faith. So we really need faith to believe that God has entrusted every one of us with gifts. So accepting that fact that we all have gifts or have the opportunity to receive them, my question for you this morning is this. What will you do with what you have been given? Now, if I give you a sheet of paper and a pen and I ask you to write down everything that you're rubbish at, everything that you're absolutely not gifted at, I bet that you probably would have quite a long list quite soon. Now, if it was me, it would definitely have reading maps at the start uh, because I am so not gifted. Remember the days when we didn't have sat-nav and you were juggling those huge big maps and trying to... We had quite a few wee arguments, didn't we, at the start of our marriage. And actually, what we ended up doing, it was so bad. And we didn't actually fight that much. But it got so bad that we actually made a decision that Chris would read the maps and I would drive. So that actually did work to solve that issue. But if I asked you guys to identify and to write down your gifts or your talents, I suspect that you wouldn't find that quite as easy. And I wonder how many people in this room are thinking, Do you know, I'm not sure that I have or can really pinpoint the gifts or the abilities that Jesus has given me. And yet I bet if you look around this room at people you even know a little bit, you can see the giftings and the talents on them, albeit they're probably struggling to do the same themselves. Because it can be hard to see what is on us sometimes, and that is where community, God's beautiful design, church family, comes into play. 
because we can call out and we can help one another to recognize and to see um, our whatever talents and giftings are on us to help to direct and to release those in our lives. And life groups are a key place to do this. And uh, we actually had a, a life group meeting of the leaders this week to talk uh, about how we're going to go about this. So I would really encourage you to have a chat with Stephen over here um, if you are not part of a life group at this point. Here's my second F, family. God often uses church family to help to identify and to call out what God has put on us. Now, I know that, that Chris talked um, a few weeks ago about us church planting. So that was about 17 years ago for anyone who maybe is visiting um, and doesn't really know our story. So we had just come out of a pretty challenging community house experience that we affectionately named the best and the worst of times, but one that we would absolutely do again if we were to relive those years. And Chris spoke about how we were actually a bit burnt out and our confidence really was not great in terms of our gifting and abilities at that point, especially where people were concerned. But Jesus knew where we were at and in his grace and mercy and love, he began to use others in our church family to come alongside us and to encourage us and saying, guys, we really do see church planting on your lives. And that was really key to us actually being propelled out um, as a little family of three to give it a go. Now, I remember a conversation that we had around leaving Belfast um, to church plant in Portadown because we figured that we would rather step out and see what happened, potentially failing, rather than look back and wonder what might have happened if we had responded to those promptings um, and those words and encouragements that were spoken over us. And honestly, we are completely blessed by what God has done, how he has led us to be here. And there's nowhere I would rather be at this stage of my life. So yeah, I'm telling you that basically to say that sometimes it might feel that there's a bit of risk involved in stepping out into whatever God uh, may have for you or whatever you believe he's, he's raising up as your gifting. And there could be some trial and error as well, but I would just encourage us all, don't be scared of that. That's all right. As John Wimber, who was the founder of the Vineyard Movement, said a long time ago, but it stuck. Faith is spelt R-I-S-K. So what can giftings or talents look like in, in somebody's life? Remembering that all of us have certain talents or God-given skills. Some people, for example, can be really hospitable and relatable and they know how to put people at ease and feel really comfortable. Some individuals are talented business people, teachers, musicians, and talents can also manifest in hobbies or even careers because I think we need to be careful when we're thinking about gifts as such. Yes, spiritual gifts um, which are a little bit different, they're key, but I think that we need to look at the wider picture in terms uh, of, yeah, other things too. 
I recently watched the Christmas episode of The Repair Shop. Have we any Repair Shop fans? Anybody seen that show? It's a great wee show. Um, and in some ways, it actually really reminded me of this stewardship calling that is upon every one of us. Now, if you don't know the program, let me outline it a little bit. So basically, oh, I've lost my face, one sec. Yeah. So basically, we have members of the public who come and they enter a workshop and they bring damaged or worn or broken but much loved items of family history, which they entrust to skilled experts. And we then see these skilled experts, um, but very ordinary people at the same time, giving of their talents with the aim of fixing or restoring whatever has been brought to them. In the Bible, we read about a number of skilled workers, such as those mentioned in the book of Exodus, which refers to the God-given talents used in providing for Aaron. So this is Exodus 28, verse 3. Tell all the skilled workers to, to whom I have given wisdom in such matters that they are to make garments for Aaron for his consecration so he may serve me as a priest. Now let's look at that little bit again, the very first part. So I want to focus on wisdom, the term wisdom. Tell all the skilled workers to whom I have given wisdom in such matters. There's a real empowering here uh, that this is a supernatural deposit. And the word wisdom is a compound of ruch, which means breath of God, and chokmah, which means wisdom, experience, intelligence, and insight. Oh, hold on a second. Sorry, two wee seconds, guys. My pages have got mixed up. Okay. So, giftings are all over the Bible as well, all right? But I want to assure us of something here. The Holy Spirit does not pass out giftings haphazardly. There's wisdom and there's intention behind the gift that each of us have been given. The call for us is simply to discern what the gifts are and what the opportunities are, and then we need to figure out how we're actually going to use them. And you know, I think about Warwick, and the team of gifted individuals who came together to help us to design this place. And it blows my mind that those original rough plans that we ran our eyes over have materialized into this. And actually, I'm really grateful and I'm really thankful that those guys recognized those talents that God had placed in and on them as their contribution to building the kingdom and that's actually what this is all about. Now, that's their contribution. And I have no idea how you would go about doing something like this. As Bruna said, there are lots of things she recognizes are not her gifting. And actually, when I, when I was thinking about that, as we pastored Upper Band Vineyard for those 11 years, in many respects, we were jack of all trades. 
We were pastors, we were accountants, albeit our finances were closely monitored by an outside party for our protection and accountability. We were the administrators and we were the cleaners as well. So you get the idea. And honestly, we did our best during that time, but we definitely were not good or gifted at everything. So actually God bringing us into a context here where we're part of a lead team with these guys. It has been so freeing for us. It has been such a huge blessing, allowing us to offer up and to use what we feel that God has gifted us with for his glory, because that's what it's all about. But uh, none of us are gifted at everything. So we've been really considering mainly um, our natural giftings as such, but as I referred to earlier, there are specific spiritual gifts and talents as well, really special abilities that are imparted to be used for the common good. And here is a little definition of spiritual gifts. Spiritual endowments or abilities given by God to enable us to serve others in God's power and love for the purpose of building up a church to make an impact on the world. And these can manifest in lots of different ways. We have wisdom, we have knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, speaking in tongues, and the interpretation of tongues as well. But I want to pause here for a second because the enemy, as we well know, he can be so sneaky. We don't want to fall into the trap of legalism. In other words, thinking that we need to be doing stuff to earn God's love or to earn his favor in some way because that's completely wrong. There's nothing that we can do to make God love us more and there's nothing that we can do to make God love us less. We don't get saved through works. We get saved by the gift of grace. And if you go back to the Ephesians passage that I referenced near the start, um, but this time I want to think about the words which come before the handiwork verses. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. And then, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I love how these verses, 8 and 9, emphasize God's grace before there's even any reference to good works. And can I maybe suggest to you that the offering of our talents should ideally be fueled by love for the one who has gifted us with them, the one who has entrusted you to use what you have been given. And it's actually about offering up what we have been gifted with as an act of worship towards the giver. Here is a little quote from somebody called Leo Pascaglia. I'm pretty sure that that's not even vaguely how you say that surname, but that's all right. Your talent is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to God. 
listen to that again. Your talent is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to God. And actually we'll find that as we offer our giftings and our talents as an act of worship to the one who gave them to us in the first place, then it seems to spill into love for others, wanting to come alongside to bless and comfort and encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ with whatever we've been given. Now again, Chris referred to these verses last week, but to me they're really pivotal to all of this, so I can't not refer to them again, because gifts without love are really pretty useless. They actually become a distortion of the way God planned them to be. So this is 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, then I have become only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So really, this is about Jesus. It's about his love for us. And it's about our love for him. And one day, as I was starting to get my head around thinking about preparing this talk, I happened to be looking at the book of Romans, Romans 11. And it just struck me as I was looking through it, how beautifully it depicts step by step what I understand to be the proper order whenever it comes to all of this. So chapter 11, verse 36 says, For from him and through him and for him are all things. So that's a great place to start. And the very beginning of chapter 12 is this, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. So we recognize that everything comes from him. And from that place, we offer everything that we are and all that we have to him as an act of worship. And then Romans 12 verse 6 says, We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So part of offering all that we are and have involves recognizing the different gifts that God has given to us. And then the last part there, Romans 12 verse 10, brings us back to love. How our gifts can be used to impact others with love. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. The economy of the kingdom is so different from that of the world because it isn't based on how much you earn. It isn't based on how clever you are or the merits of wealth or poverty. It's about how you use what you have been given. For he who has little, even what he has will be taken and given to he who has much when we don't steward well. I came across a little Francis Chan quote here. We are each given different gifts and talents by our master. The thing that matters most is how we use what we have been given, not how much we make or do compared to someone else. What matters is that we spend ourselves. Don't miss the fact that 
The guy who did nothing with his gift chose not to use it because of misplaced fear. In fact, his fear of failure was greater than his fear of the Lord. And if we find ourselves caught in this fear trap, we may never discover what God has given us or what might happen if we put it to use. So this is my third F, fear. Don't let fear hold you back from your gifting. I think that all of us want to go after a real, a powerful, an all-consuming relationship with Jesus, a kind of get-out-of-the-boat trust that will allow us to be obedient to whatever he has put in our lives. And remember that perfect love casts out fear. Again, one of my favorite verses. That's 1 John 4, verse 18. A guy, John W. Gardner, said this, and it really resonated with me, so I wanted to share it as part of this talk this morning. True happiness involves the full use of one's power and talents. I really think there's something in that. In identifying and starting to actually step out in whatever God has gifted us with, I think that this is actually something that's really key to our sense of fulfillment and therefore our peace and our happiness as well because we're, we've been made to want to feel like we are contributing to something. It makes us feel part of things, doesn't it? And it's actually an intrinsic part of who we are. So the blooming and the seeing the fruit of employing our giftings and talents will actually contribute to our sense of worth and purpose as we do life. So this is my fourth F, fruitfulness. God desires to see fruitfulness in stepping out in our spiritual gifts. Now, Johnny, could you, would you mind putting up the picture of the bird for me, please? There we go. Perfect. I have given this man so many slides. He's doing awesome. I didn't realize there were so many. Um, yes, have a little look at this image. I wonder, has anyone ever felt a little bit like this? Because the thing is, God has designed us to soar, but we can be held back by fear by a lack of confidence, or maybe not quite understanding what God has placed within us. So we're left feeling constrained, bound, even frustrated, that we aren't quite reaching our potential or contributing to the world the way we should or the way we would like to. And you know what? That's exactly the state that the enemy would like us to live in. And this morning, I really sense that there are some people in particular for whom this image will really resonate. And if this is you, God's heart is to bring freedom in your life and joy to your soul as you discover and step into everything that he has for you. So this is my fifth F, freedom. We have all been called to know the freedom and blessing of operating in our giftings. Now, I've mentioned that term steward um, several times this morning, 
And uh, as a church, we sometimes talk about stewardship as well, which actually isn't just a biblical word, but it's a central core theological concept. And in biblical terms, Charles Bug defines stewardship in the Holman Bible Dictionary as utilizing and managing all resources God provides for the glory of God. Now, here's an interesting stewarding point to uh, maybe consider linked in with this parable. We appear to grow in authority and influence in the kingdom of God as a result of our faithfulness and stewardship. Now, not in a status sense, as the world may understand it, but for some reason, God seems to trust us with more when we steward what he has given us well. Listen to what John Thompson has to say in this passage. Whether talents or gifts, the principle remains the same. What may not always be true in the economic realm is clearly true in the spiritual realm. Use it or lose it. And I guess it's a little bit like physical exercise, isn't it? We can lose our level of spiritual fitness, but the good thing is that we can regain it again by being good stewards, continuing to allow God to work in our lives. And let's not lose sight of this fact. The master is coming back. Every one of us will give an account And we really don't want to be like the last servant whom Brennan Manning describes like this. He or she limps through life on childhood memories of Sunday school and resolutely refuses the challenge of growth and spiritual maturity. Unwilling to take risks, this person loses the talent entrusted to him or her. The master wanted his servants to take risks. He wanted them to gamble with his money. Another thing actually I just want to say is this. Comparison is the thief of joy. And it's really important that we don't compare what God has given us or gifted us with, um, with what he has gifted or given to other people. Because Jesus knows you intimately. He knows what we can handle. And I really think that that's That's really, really important that we are okay with what he chooses to gift us with. Do you remember last week um, I was reading the covenant prayer? Um, Johnny, can you find that covenant prayer actually and put it up just before we are nearly closing? In light of what I'm talking about here, we need to be okay in fully surrendering ourselves. So let's look at the very start of this. This was a John Wesley Methodist covenant prayer for those of you who weren't here last week when I read it out. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you, praised for you or criticized for you. 
Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And actually that program, the repair shop that I was talking about earlier, I think that that's one of the things I love about it most because we have a whole range of people with different skills and abilities, but they champion what they see in one another. And at times, actually, they will get an item in, and what they will do is they'll do their bit using their gifts and their abilities, and then they'll pass it on to another person who can do something that they can't. But there's a joy in celebrating the gifting that is on each one of them. And it's in passing this item around sometimes that then we see a whole, the whole, you know, the item is restored beautifully. Emma Bombeck has a great wee quote, which I love. When I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left and could say, I used everything you gave me. So as I come to a close here, I guess I'm coming um, full circle right back to where I started, the question I started with. What will you do with what you've been given? At the end of the day, to quote the master's words that Molly read out to us, to the servants who doubled what they had been given. Wouldn't it be so incredible to stand before Jesus and to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, I don't feel that this morning has been about necessarily identifying the specific gifts and talents that God has given you, but rather I sense the Father encouraging you, will you commit as we go on this, this empowerment series journey, will you commit to opening yourselves up uh, so that I can speak to you about what I have put within you? so that you can use it to build my kingdom, so you can play your part, which is really, really key. Check my time. Um, yeah, if the worship band could come up, they are going to play one song for us. And just as they do that, I would just really encourage you, just in your own way, bring yourselves before Jesus um, in light of what I've just said, making that commitment to press into all that he has for you as he reveals it as time goes on.